Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle, the Christian girl's guide to modern dating. We're here to help you date with confidence while honoring the Lord and to show you that your identity and contentment are in Christ. We're going to give you the tools that you need to date successfully and be set up well for success in a godly marriage. If you've ever felt like you didn't really belong with any of the extremes in dating today, well, you're not alone. Neither did we. And that's why we're here looking for the middle. Welcome back, friends, to another episode as we are getting closer and closer to the end of season four. Yeah, four, season four. This has been a weird season, It feels though. like it's been three seasons in one. It does, because we had the quarantine break, and then we didn't record together for a while, and it's just been a weird season. It has it's been, been a weird year. I, Seriously. <laughs> did you, I think I sent you the... I saw this thing, I think it was on Facebook, and it was like, see what happens? They took Friends off Netflix on January 1st, and well, it just hasn't been anyone's day, their week, their month, or even their year. Seriously, though. (laughs) I laughed so hard. I I... saw something that was like, please tell 2020 to pull over and let me out. I'll walk. (laughs) Seriously, though. That one and the one where it's like, I wonder if my mom's offer to slap me into next year is still on the table. (laughs) That one makes me laugh every time, too. That's what Laura and I were talking about yesterday. We're so excited for Christmas in the holidays because we're like maybe things will be like semi-normal then and we can like celebrate with people and not like so it's (sighs) been quite the year but we're still going guys so thanks for joining us as a reminder if you're not already following us on social media you should go do that when this episode's over you can find us on facebook at looking for the middle podcast or you can find us on instagram at lftm underscore podcast so we would love to connect with you over there but now it's time for bethany's question of the day okay it's an easy one oh good i love easy questions we're kind of getting back to normal daily rhythms are starting to get back to what they used to be so what podcasts are you listening to right now now that we're kind of getting back into our commute and different stuff and you have time great question so i've been back on my true crime kick okay which i've really been enjoying so i just listened to the thing about pam i started that one oh after you gosh. told me it's to listen crazy to it. it's only six episodes i mean i binged that so quick it was so good and then <laughs> i'm glad you reminded me of this because the motive for murder is another dateline podcast and the last episode came out yesterday i got a notification on that one so i haven't listened, listened to, it. to that and then okay i started one called the dating game killer and it sounds really interesting, but I was listening to it at home by myself and about five minutes in, I was doing my makeup during, like in the middle of the day and turned it off because I got really? like so, it was very well produced to like make it seem creepy. Oh my And word. so I'm like, I'm just going to have to listen to this when I'm in a car or like <laughs> when people are home or yeah. something. But yeah, I've been back on the true crime bandwagon. Okay. What about you? I, well, I started the thing about Pam. Or there's something about Pam. What is it The thing about Pam. The thing about Pam. I Mm -hmm. started that one. I'm about two or three episodes in, so I like that one. I've been listening to Relatable by Allie Beth Stuckey. I just found her on Instagram recently, and she has just such a great biblical perspective on current events, regardless of what they are. Like it I highly recommend her. So I've been listening to that one. Cause she has like quite the catalog and I haven't ever listened to her. So I've been like, I need to go check her picking out. and choosing topics from her, but yes, highly recommend Allie Beth Stuckey. Okay. okay. So there's some recommendations guys. If you need more things to listen to besides us, even though we're plenty entertaining, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. That's like the third episode in a row. You're like a little high on us. Lately. I am. I'm trying to self promote. Um, just kidding. No, y'all, we hope you go listen to other things cause we get annoyed with ourselves. So we yes. know y'all probably do eventually. <laughs> 
Oh, gosh. So true. Okay, let's jump in to today's episode. We are okay. talking about should you wait for him to change? <sighs> and to be very honest, I had no idea where we were going to go with this episode. It was literally just a question we had yeah. in this week's episode topic. And we just planned for the last hour and ran with it. And it's been so fun. And yes, took I'm a really direction. Excited. Yeah, took a direction I wasn't necessarily expecting, but I think is super important for us to talk about because yes. it's very, it's a relevant theme that has been showing itself, particularly in the church, but just across our culture as a whole for the last several years, I would say. So we're going to get into that as we answer this question so bethany why don't you kick us off i will and so we asked the question should i wait for him to change and to before we dive into that specific answer let's ask another question (laughs) and i think probably a lot of you guys have asked yourself this i know we have on multiple occasions for multiple reasons and all that so the question is where have all the good guys gone have you ever asked yourself that? Oh, I think I think you probably have. For sure. They all I know have. we have. Yes, we've talked about that a lot. And we have stepped back from the emotion behind it because a lot of times you ask this when you're frustrated. <laughs> so we have tried to remove ourselves from the emotional side of that and look at it objectively. And as snarky as it may sound, we truly believe they're all married. Yep. Don't mean it in a snarky, cynical way. But as we're going to flesh out here, I think there's a reason behind that. And so what do you do? That's kind of what we're going to talk about today is we're stuck with where have all the quote unquote good guys gone? And you look around and you're like, oh, they're all married or at least in committed relationships, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, because they went after what they wanted. They put a ring on it and then they committed and which is what we all want in somebody i know lauren and i had that conversation not too long ago where we were thinking we're like we have several guy friends who are married to our girlfriends Mm -hmm. and so we're like where are all the guys like them but again they're married to our girlfriends so you're like okay do you have any single friends that are like on the same wavelength as you (laughs) like are somewhat comparable in this area in this area Mm -hmm. in this area and it's so difficult because when you have a guy that's like that that's got his life together knows what he wants and is willing to go for it those guys don't not to cheapen it but stay on the market very long they're a hot commodity Mm -hmm. as yeah like you said not trying to like cheapen it but it's tough when you know we've talked to i think gabe mentioned this first when we did the the men tell all series of like one of the toughest things about dating as a christian is that the pool size is smaller and so you start off with that that eliminates whatever percentage of the male population right off the bat and so then within that if there's already a higher percentage of women our age in the church than men there are more women in the church our age than there are men so that that skews your numbers and then if you bring in this issue that is going to be the the crux of what we talk about today this extended adolescence among men, especially in the church, because that's our circle we're not going to deal with outside of the church because that's not who we're talking to. It makes it really tough to find a, a man like we have talked about who has his life together, so to speak. There are certain things that you're going to be looking for, and we've talked about that on our list and on our preferences and all these things. Those things that are non-negotiables are getting harder and harder to find. Now, before we go too far down that path, 
this podcast is talking to women primarily. And so we are going to speak to this issue from that vantage point. Women share a responsibility in this too. This is not a solely male issue, this issue of like extended adolescence. It applies to women as well, but that isn't as much of an issue for us when it comes to finding a husband. So we're going to talk to it from that perspective. If you hear something today though, that you're like, Ooh, that kind of applies to me or that stung a little because that's me. Make those changes that you need to take the action that you need to and change that about yourself. But we're going to be talking about it as an issue among guys, because that's what we're dealing with. This is not a bash men session and we're not going to come across that way I don't think anyway but we just wanted to put out there that we fully realize this is not solely a male issue but what we're going to talk about today that's the side we're going to be talking about and when it comes down to it we are in a society where marriage rates are down and video game sales are up that's what we're dealing with here and we were doing some research for this and we we found a study that found that around 2000, so 20 years ago now, and I'm betting it hasn't gotten better, teens were less likely to drive, have an after-school job, and date than ever before. (laughs) Which was like not shocking, but also shocking at the same time. Yeah. It was one of those like, oh my gosh. But then you think about it like, well, that actually kind of makes sense. Exactly. And this translates into adults who are glued to their phones and their computers and therefore don't develop as many in-person relationships. And so we have a generation as a whole, this is definitely male, female, not specific. We have a generation as a whole that would rather avoid the vulnerability of in-person interaction and of in-person relationships and having to put yourself out there because you can hide behind a screen. And that's a huge factor in this, I think. So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind as through everything we talk about is, I think that has had a major, major impact on this. Yeah. Well, you hear people talk about, I think when the rise of Facebook and Instagram really started taking off, you know, seven Mm -hmm. or so years ago that we're the most connected generation and the most lonely. Yes. Which was so sad to hear because you're like, you have ways that your parents and your grandparents didn't of staying in touch with people that you went to high school with, that you've worked with before, that, you know, you, your long lost kindergarten best friend, you know, whatever (laughs) it is. And you have a way to stay in touch with these people, but you're so lonely because your interactions are so quick and it's liking people's pictures and it's Mm -hmm. commenting something really, you know, short and sweet. And it's so surface level that, like you said, that vulnerability and that intimacy is missing in our relationships because we're not conducting them in person. Well, and I think a big contributor to that too is, were we ever meant to keep that kind of connection? When you said that about your kindergarten best friend, it made me think about it. In all time past, you grew up, you got married, you moved on, and you didn't have all of these connections. And so I know for me, a lot of times there are so many people out there that I feel like I should be connected to. And the pressure, whether perceived or real, to stay connected to all of them can be overwhelming to the point that I just say, forget it, I'm not going to mess with any of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering more and more, were we meant to have that kind of connection with that many people? Like, do you know what I'm That's saying? That's a great like, question. There's this pressure put on you to maintain that connection because they're there. 
but I don't know that we were ever meant to. That's such a good question because, I mean, you think about, I think that we feel bad if a relationship only lasts for a season. Right. It's like, oh, if I meet this person, I'm sp- even if we don't talk all the time, I'm supposed to like keep up with their life and know what's going on and not be shocked when they post something huge or monumental on social media mm-hmm. or whatever. That's so different from how it's been before. And it may not, like you said, be for the best. And another stat we found we were researching was in the early 2010s, it appeared that 12th graders were going out far less frequently than the 8th graders were in the 90s. That's crazy. And this hit me really hard because early 2010s was when I graduated high school. So I was in 12th grade in that part of the decade. And so I start thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, was I really going, I was just going out, you know, also 12th graders can drive. Right. So the fact that eighth graders, which I'm sure it was probably a little safer for them to go and like walk and do stuff or whatever. So, but that aside, you can drive, you can go out with your friends, you can go play sports, you can do, which... I did those things, but at the same time, I also had a phone. Right. And, you know, TV was, we didn't have Netflix yet, if that old age me at all. <laughs> um, but there were TV and there were movies and we got our cell phones and smartphones were just starting to kind of make their yeah. appearance. And now you're like, oh gosh, this may have not been for the best. And as far as the impact it has on our relationships. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there aren't good sides of the things that we're experiencing now. There's a lot of perks if you use this well to the technology that we have and the advantages that we have with modern day, whatever the word is. <laughs> Advancements? <laughs> Advancements, there we go. <laughs> but if we're not careful, they're going to really negatively impact our progression into adulthood, our maturity, our capacity to relate to people and to develop close-knit, personal, interactive relationships. One thing I think we're also dealing with, and a lot of it is because of this social media culture, because you, how many friends do you have on Facebook? Let's kind of, I want to make an example here a little bit. Round numbers. Like 400 and something. Now, granted, I I had over a thousand two Christmases ago and I went and purged. I've done a purge. I have about between four and 500 probably. Um, So... Those four to 500 people on your Facebook, in a way, are your world. Hmm. And it creates this false sense of reality in a lot of ways. Because that small section of the world is not representative of society as a whole. And what we have is this culture amongst all people that I am supreme. What Mm -hmm. I want, what I feel, what I think, what I need. And within that, this culture of, now I'm just going to stay at home. I don't want to go do anything. I don't want to have to see people. And it's cool. It's on t-shirts. There's memes. It's everywhere. This, oh, how am I going to get out of this social engagement? Or how am I going to get out of having to go to dinner with that friend? Or, no, I'm just going to stay home and watch Netflix and eat pizza. Mm -hmm. Are those things fine? Yes. I'm not saying there's something wrong with that. But when you have that as a culture and then your world, a.k.a. your Facebook sphere, reiterates that over and over and over, you're told it's normal, you're told it's right, you're told it's okay because everyone in the world's doing it. When in reality, it's just your little subset of friends. And I'm sitting here pointing at Kristen while I'm saying this. I don't mean you. She's (laughs) preaching at me. It's fine. (laughs) I don't mean you specifically, but I just, I've been thinking about this a lot over the past, probably like the quarantine time because the world shrunk. 
when that mm. happened. And all you had was this one little group of people. And so that was not in the notes. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. Just have that in your mind. Like, how does that affect your perception of reality? Are you taking the word of your Facebook feed as truth? Or are you looking to God's word as truth? Mm -hmm. What is your barometer for determining, am I maturing as I should? Or is this guy that I'm interested maturing as he should? If you're looking at Facebook, you're going to be in a world of hurt. I'm just going to say that. That's something else we were reading too when we were researching is that, and we'll get into this in more detail in a second, but the standard that's being set according to culture for maturity, particularly for men, men are following it. So in a way, you kind of can't blame them. Very true. So because the the new expectation, the new cultural norms, you know, what's expected of a man in his mid-20s, late-20s, whatever, they're going along with it and because the standard has changed and the norms have changed from when our parents were dating. Yeah. So... That's why it's so important when you're looking at who are you listening to? Whose opinion are you valuing? And are you measuring, you know, whether this guy is mature and pursuing the Lord, whatever, according to God's word and what he says and what his standard is for us about growing and maturing in our faith? Or are you listening to what culture's saying, what your social media feeds are saying, what TV, whatever it is, whatever you're taking in as far as information goes, where are your standards coming from? And that's what's really important as you're trying to figure out, okay, here's this guy, and I know he's probably not up to what I would look for in a husband, so do I wait for him to change or do I not? And not to get preachy here, but just you're talking about the guys are living up to the standards set for them by our culture. And you guys know we are we are Christians and we believe the Bible and we believe that the gender roles spelled out in the Bible are correct. But what we're looking at is a culture that has been overrun with feminism that tells you guys are dumb. They're never going to grow up. You as the woman better take charge and run the world. And so guys are living up to that expectation. Mm-hmm. And so when we as Christians hold to a biblical ethic of gender roles, we say, no, that's not right. No, that's not good enough. But we're then having to either wait for this guy to change and real for the Lord to mature him, or do you stop and settle and say, well, all the other guys are like this, so it must be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You gotta, you've got to be careful. Yeah. But this, this is where wisdom and discernment come in is really what it boils down to. Absolutely. And that's what we want to help you guys find through yes. the rest of this episode. Okay. So let's then... We, we've talked a lot about concepts, um, extended adolescence, you know, delaying growing up, all these things. But let's now look at some practical things to look for when it comes to instead of the culture at large, I'm interested in, you know, Bobby. I love that that's your go-to I, name. It is my go-to one because I don't know anyone <laughs> named that. Yes, it's a safe <laughs> bet. Bobby and Susie. Those are my, my go-tos. <laughs> you're interested in Bobby, where does he fall on this? Like you can actually then kind of get into the nitty gritty of it. So let's look first at traditionally what have been the five milestones of adulthood. They are in semi-particular order, leaving home, completing school, becoming financially independent. And this means from parents, friends, whatever, it doesn't mean independently wealthy. Don't confuse the two. I'm not saying he has to have, you know, $2 million in the bank. But is he 
paying his own bills by himself, getting married and starting a family. So leaving home, finishing school, getting your money act together, getting married and starting a family. Those have traditionally been the five markers of becoming an adult throughout most all of modern history, I would think. Yeah. And so I would really encourage you guys to ask yourself, okay, how many guys do I know that fit those categories? Mm -hmm. Has he left home? Has he finished college? Is he financially independent? Is he married? Does he have children? Even if he's not, does he want to get married? Yes. And then on the flip side, I want you to think about how many guys do I know that don't fit this? Uh How many guys do I know that still live at home who took six, seven, eight years to get a four-year degree? How I'm not talking about grad school. If he goes to grad school or med school or whatever, good for him. Or they took five years to get two-thirds of a degree. Yeah. And never finished. That's true. That's now, also true. Am I saying everyone has to go to college? Absolutely not. Don't hear us. There. That's not mm-hmm. the point no, here. I don't the think that at all. The point is, are you taking steps? I mean, in our society, the, the path to a career has been graduate high school, go to college, get a degree, start your career. If you graduate high school and you know what your career path is going to be, vocationally, whatever, I am all for that. Same. So it's not this dogmatic you have to go to college that's not what we're saying the principle of i am preparing to be a man to enter the career world so that i can prepare to lead and support a family Mm -hmm. that's what we're looking for and just that he'll finish what he starts exactly because even if you don't end up using your degree which how many people actually do use their degree i've never worked in my industry field a day in my life yeah and for many years, I didn't. I'm finally at the point where I'm using it, so I'm very excited. But if he starts his degree, does he see it through? Right. Does he finish it? And so if you, you know, you look and see, okay, did he take a while to finish it? Or has he not finished it? Is he still depending on his parents for financial support? And even, you know, he may be paying all his bills, but let me make a very important distinction here if he is barely scraping by to pay his bills and then he hits a financial hurdle or his car breaks down or something and he has to go ask his parents for money because he's not preparing to have a savings account to account for surprises that life will inevitably throw at you that's still not financially independent so let me just make that little statement there you want somebody who is wisely managing their money not only for the day-to-day but for what may come in the future and then you know is he married does he want to be married does he want to have a family or does he like "Eh, I'm good I don't really want to worry about it right now you know think about the guys you know and particularly if you've got a guy you're interested in which camp does he fall in because if he falls in the second one of not really looking so um, motivated to check any of these things off That's not somebody you should wait around for and hope, oh, maybe he'll get his act together one day. And until then, I'll just kind of sit around and wait for him to figure it out. No, you don't do that. But we're also not saying he has to get it right on the first try. He may have spent five years in this limbo stage, but has now realized, oh, that was wrong. That was immature. And B, getting his act, I hate to say getting his act together, but getting these things in order as he should, because it honors the Lord, Mm -hmm. just because he's later in doing that than what we consider normal, quote unquote, that's not the issue. Like we've said with so many other things, I'm concerned about where he is now, not where he's been in the past and is where he is now on track with this. Is he pursuing those things now 
that's what I'm looking for. Well, and as we say, we're just because a guy isn't where he's at right now doesn't mean he never will be. We're not saying that you mark him off as hopeless. But the distinction here is while he may eventually get there, it is not your responsibility or you are not expected to sit around and wait for him to. You can move forward and progress in your life and do what the Lord's calling you to do and pursue your relationship with him. And then down the road, if y'all are supposed to be together and that's, you know, the Lord's will, then he will work that out. But there's a difference in believing that this guy can eventually get there and waiting for him to. So that's, that's the difference here. And it's a fine line. Like I get it, but there is a difference. Yes. Oh, there totally is. And you, you want to date a man. You don't want to date a boy who might become one, which is kind of the difference of what you're saying there. You, you may see the potential for that, but is he pursuing that potential? That's where the distinction falls in my mind. A guy can have all the potential in the world, but if he doesn't see it and is not pursuing it, then that's when I think you say, okay, I'm going to set this aside. And if, like you said, if the Lord has this for us in the future, we'll come back to it. But if he's not even pursuing that, then that's where you say, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. I was listening to a pastor a few weeks ago. He was talking about, he was like, women are so good at nurturing. He was like, this is a characteristic that they have been created with, wired with. They nurture things. They help things grow. They make things better than, you know, they were when they found them. And while that's an incredible quality to have, too many women are applying that quality to their relationships with a guy. And we think, oh, if I just nurture him, if I can fix him, if I can, you know, if he's with me, then he'll want to better himself, obviously, because, you know, he wants to be with me. And you think suddenly it's your responsibility to get him there when that's not the case. You can encourage him. And when you get to the point where you're married to a guy, you want to nurture that relationship. You want to build him up. You want to encourage him. You want to push him and challenge him. But while you're dating or while you're interested in a guy, he is still, it's still just him and the Lord. And it's still just you and the Lord. And you are not accountable for his growth and his maturity and to nurture him to get there. So while that may be a great quality and while you may like naturally gravitate towards things and people that need nurturing, be really careful that you don't take on that responsibility and that burden on yourself because you don't have to. No, marriage is not some guy moving out of his mom's basement into your house so that you can assume that role of his second mom. That is not marriage. Marriage is two adults who have made the conscious decision to commit to each other for the rest of their lives to form a new equally partnered unit. Preach. <laughs> Bethany's been real preachy and I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, For the past few episodes, I'm like, I'm just going to sit here and <laughs> let her go because oh, it's so man. good. That's what it Unfortunately, though, we, we say this is what marriage is and isn't. But what we're dealing with is a large part of the guy population who haven't put the things of childhood behind them. They are still living as if that is their station in life as adults. And it's not. No, not at all. And you th- let's, you know, take a look at scripture here for a second. So if you look at, everybody knows 1 Corinthians 13 as the love chapter, which I agree is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because I think it's a great standard for, you know, people are like, oh, there's no, there's nothing in the Bible about dating. Well, that's about as close to a list as you can get as far as what to look for in somebody that you want to be with. 
But after you get through verses four through eight, that talk about what love is in verse 11, Paul says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So as he outlines what this picture of love looks like, he is outlining mature love, the love that an adult should be portraying towards really everybody as Christians. We're supposed to love them that way. But if you want to apply this specifically to a romantic relationship, that's what love should look like. He, that's not the expectation for children. If you think about a child, they take love. They learn as they grow up to show it. But when you're a kid, you, you know, your parents are giving you everything and they're feeding you and they're clothing you and they're housing you and they're, you know, providing for you, training, training you. you. Yes. And so you just take, 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 take because you're learning. Well, as you grow up, you're not in that stage anymore. And that's the point Paul is trying to make here is that childhood is over. And it is my responsibility now to give love the way I've received it growing up or the way I've received it from the Lord, whatever your story is. And that is going to look different than the way a child loves. And so when you look through the the lens of this verse, you've got to understand immature men will not love the way that 1 Corinthians 13 outlines. They just won't because they're still as Paul says, talking like a child, thinking like a child, reasoning like a child, and therefore they can't or they don't love the way that's outlined in scripture for an adult to love. And so again, with this, if you have a particular guy in mind, go read 1 Corinthians 13. Is he patient? Is he kind? Is he selfless? Does he keep records of when people did him wrong? Is he, you know, I'm read the passage, you know, (laughs) I'm not going to like recite all of this for you. Does he persevere? You know, does he not run at the first sign of trouble? You know, there are ways for you to look and see, okay, he's not perfect in all these things, but is he showing patterns that he is doing his best to love in this way and to treat people this way, to treat me this way? Great. If he's not, then you back up. Yeah. And you back up quick. Yes. (laughs) Like you said, it has set the standard and that is expected at this point. And it slowly crept into the church too. The culture has influenced the church on this. And the church now doesn't want to call people out. They don't want to say, hey, that's not okay. Stop it. Yeah. (laughs) And so we see this extended adolescence in the church too. And so we wanted to, we've talked a lot about, you know, these ideas And you're probably like, okay, great, but how do I know if this guy is doing that? So here's some things to look out for. Yeah, signs of extended adolescence. Number one, he may live at home unnecessarily. It's an important... It's a very key word there. Because if he's living at home because of some financial situation, if he is taking care of one of his parents, there are several things I'm not going to say here and list all of them. But if he is just living at home because he doesn't want to move out. He doesn't have any desire to get that independence, things like that. That's where you need to really be aware of what his reasoning is for living at home. And if he's living at home unnecessarily, red flag number one. I think a lot of these things talking about unnecessarily is like, okay, well, he doesn't want to put in the effort to do what he needs to do and it's easier to stay at home. So I think a lot of these things that we're going to look at here have to deal with 
how much effort are you willing to put in? Yeah. Well, because effort and drive and motivation are signs of maturity. Exactly. So, and it's putting, one's taking it one step further. That means putting effort and drive towards things that aren't your favorite things to do. Because we all have drive when it comes to things we like. Oh, sure. You'll put a so much time into doing things that you want to do, hanging out with people you want to hang out with. But it's when you're staying motivated to do things that are just part of being an adult or that are expected of you because of the stage of life you're in. That's really attractive. And that's very, uh, it's a sign of maturity. Oh, yeah. So when you think about it that way, another sign of extended adolescence may be that he's showing that effort, but with things that aren't necessarily the best things to be showing effort towards comparatively speaking if he's not showing effort towards the things that we'll talk about in a second but if he's you know doing putting a maximum effort with his friends or the game whether that's virtual whether that's you know carving out his entire weekend to watch football which y'all are talking to two people who <laughs> love to watch football all weekend but also if other things need to be done, is there a balance there? If he is putting all this time and money into his car, again, love when a guy like drives a nice truck. I'm not going to say that it's not important. <laughs> but when you're putting maximum effort into only the things that you enjoy and neglecting the things that are responsibilities for you right now, that's a sign of extended adolescence. Because what do you do when you're a kid? Whatever you want to do. You, ever, you play, you go outside. You have snacks. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> oh, great. And then what do you, you don't, you know, if you don't like school, you don't try at school. If you don't want to fold your laundry, you, you know, stash it under your laundry. bed. <laughs> I don't. I still don't fold it. I hate it. I hate laundry too. It'll anyway. sit in like baskets yeah. for three or four days before I put it up. But as a kid, you really put it all in to what you really enjoy but when you put in 50 percent effort it's a nice way to say a lot <laughs> what a lot of people would say differently then there's there's your concern yes so on the flip side you may see someone putting in tons of effort with those things but on the other end are they doing the bare minimum when it comes to effort at work you know, is he trying to progress in a career or is he just getting by with a job? And, you know, we talk about men have careers and boys have jobs. Does he have to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company? No. But does he have a career and it implies a forward focus? Is he looking to be able to provide for a family and lead that well by starting now with a career that will enable him to do that? Not job after job after job after job. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Is he putting in minimum effort with his family? You know, does he prioritize his family, whether they're near or far? Or does he only reach out or visit when it's convenient for him? When some of those maximum effort things aren't, you know, interfering then he'll have time for his family. Is he doing the bare minimum when it comes to church? You know, is he just checking the Sunday morning box? Like, okay, I win, I'm done. And then I can just go live the rest of the week. However, or is he investing in the body of Christ? Is he serving? Does he have community? Is he attending regularly because he wants to? And because he, you know, wants to experience the, the filling up that comes with church, but then also he's pouring out at the same yeah. time. And then... Is he doing the bare minimum when it comes to you? Is he 
just texting you when he's not with somebody else, you know, when he's not hanging out with his buds or whatever. Is he just reaching out when he's bored and nothing else is going on? You know, his car's fixed up and there's no <laughs> football on and, you know, his friends are all doing something else. So then all of a sudden you hear from him or does he tell you what you want to hear when he's around, but then that he doesn't really follow that up mm-hmm. with any sort of action or showing you that he cares about you. It's just all lip service. Yeah. Guys have an act for saying all the right words. And then we're like, oh, why do we, why do we do this? We're like, maybe it'll be different this time. You know, oh, he said da 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 And we wait around and wait around and wait around until the last possible second to decide, oh, yeah, I guess his actions aren't backing that up. We give... You know, we talk about giving people the benefit of the doubt, and you should, but that only goes so far, I think. Yeah, well, and I like what you just said, too, about maybe it'll be different this time, Mm -hmm. because I feel like a lot of this could apply to, well, really all of it, could apply to a guy you've dated before. True. And you're thinking, so you broke up for whatever reason, maybe because you started to see signs of what we're talking about here, and then... He comes back a little later. He's saying all the right things. Like, oh, he's probably changed. Like, we could really make this work this time. Your girl has been there, okay? And so just for uh, some encouragement lined with warning, um, be very, very careful and very, very focused on showing wisdom and discernment when you are deciding oh, I think this guy may have actually changed versus, oh, maybe I hope he's changed this time and we can try again. Yeah, I think in that instance, when you've dated before, you need to be very conscious of seeing the change before you entertain the idea of going out again, not the other way around, not thinking, oh, let's go out again. And then then we'll see if he's changed. Uh Uh-uh, he's going to have to prove, prove it before I even think about it that's a great point so let's say you are interested in a guy or a guy has reached out to you in one of these ways here are some phrases that you might want to look out for from him i just want to take things slow aka i'm waiting around to see if i get a better offer whether it be a girl or a day on the lake or a whatever i just have a lot going on right now and i'm not sure i'm ready for anything serious all of these qualifying things of like, hey, I'm not going to treat you like a boyfriend would. And here's why. Like, I'm excusing it from the get go. Now, does anytime someone say this mean that? No. But if you're dealing with someone who has an established pattern of this somewhat childlike behavior, these are phrases I would want to know more about. Um, I don't know if I'm ready for a commitment. Uh, I'm not going to be able to hang out like we planned because insert trivial thing here or insert vague excuse or whatever, basically saying, I want to make plans with you. So I have something to do, but if something better comes along, you're going to get bumped. So just watch out for those things. Yes. And like I just said, I have been here and gosh, I'm y'all hear me. Okay. I, y'all know that our hearts are in the in as good a place as they can be when we're trying to talk about this. Our goal is not to sit here and bash guys, bash our ex-boyfriends, talk ill, illy. Is that a word? I don't have ill feelings toward any of yeah, my exes. No. And, and I like men. Yes. Like, very much so. 
<laughs> very, very much so. Y'all don't have to question that. So hear me when I say this. I have heard every single one of those phrases that Bethany just told me on multiple occasions. And I was just telling her before we got on the air, I don't really have any regrets in my life. I, I'm very proud of that because... I feel like even the things that probably weren't the best decisions I've learned from and they've got me to where I am. And so I don't regret them in that sense. However, if I were to change something, when I've heard these sayings, particularly from the same guy, more than once, would I have given him the number of chances that I did? No. I wouldn't have, just being really honest, because I was that girl who's like, maybe it's going to be different this time. And if I talk to him long enough, and don't the last time this happened, I talked, we talked for months because I was looking for that. Mm-hmm. And there were signs that Bethany will tell you, I talked yes. to her a lot about this. There were some signs, okay, he has improved and he is saying this. But once again, if you let. <laughs> something progress long enough you give it time to see okay are the actions lining up with the words and at the end of this few month period I once again learned okay the actions haven't changed yeah the words may have the intentions may have he may be fully intending to grow up and to figure out what he wants and to pursue things he wasn't pursuing before but if his actions continue not to back that up then this is not a relationship I would suggest that you go into. So hear me when I say, I get it. Been there. It's not fun. And something that I think it was Melanie that was talking to me about this because I was talking to her about when she met Trey and she made the comment. She's like, Trey never left me guessing. I had nothing to wonder or, I mean, there's that like initial like, ooh, you know, I hope he really likes me and whatever. <laughs> but she was like, I knew he liked me. I knew he wanted to pursue me. I knew he wanted to be married. I knew he was headed in that direction. I knew that he was confident in what he was looking for. And I never had to wonder or guess or try to fill in the gaps of what he was thinking and what he was feeling. And that wasn't something that I was getting with this guy. I was guessing a lot and I was trying to fill in gaps and I was trying to give him the benefit of the doubt for too many times. And that was the distinguishing factor when it came down to it. Can I just say one, uh, one quick thing to guys here, if you're listening um, and you want some insight into the female brain, the fewer gaps you leave for us to fill in with our imagination, the better off it will be for you every single day time. Even if closing that gap means telling us something we don't want to hear, mm-hmm. even if closing that gap means pointing out something about us that is not desirable, do that. Do it kindly, do it lovingly, but do that. Because if you leave a gap to be filled in by our imaginations, they will run wild. Mm-hmm. They will go to the extreme, whether good or bad. <laughs> and so just don't leave those gaps open. Yeah, that's very good advice. Okay, so now we're kind of inching closer and closer to this question that is actually the question of this episode. And we're saying, okay, I get all of that. And let's say I am dealing with a guy who fits this criteria. So what do I do? Do you wait for him to change? That's our question for today. And the answer is no. Big, (laughs) fat no with a bunch of O's on the end. And then I put a little smiley face at the end of the notes because I didn't want to sound snarky. But no, you don't wait for him to change. It's not your job. It's not your expectation. You're not a bad person. If you're not waiting for him, you're not 
showing signs of not being gracious. I feel like, you know, as women, we want to be seen as, you know, gracious and um, patient. And, and there we can exemplify those qualities without putting our life on hold for a guy who has not made his intentions and his pursuit clear towards us. Just because guys in general are growing up slower doesn't mean you have to date a boy in the meantime. I would say to you that you are better off being single than dating a guy who refuses to grow up. Hmm. Let that sink in because when you're single and you're feeling lonely, the instinct we have is to say, oh my gosh, I just wish I had somebody. And that's a very dangerous statement to make because we don't want to just want somebody. You want, I want that guy. I want this guy because he loves the Lord. He's mature. He shows signs that he wants to commit and to progress and to, you know, fill in the blank here. So be very, very careful thinking that being with somebody will be always be better than being with no one because that's not the case at all. Mm-hmm. I've and, been there. Yeah. Like I, I can oh, say for that sure. from experience. Being alone is better than being with the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. And and we're talking about how do you determine if he's the right guy? Look at scripture. Yep. That's what you're looking for. Does he measure up? Is he progressing? Is he maturing in those things that the, the Bible outlines is what a man looks like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so don't feel like you've got to date a boy in the meantime. And this also doesn't mean, you know, you wait for a guy to hopefully become a man one day. Even if you're not dating him, you're still waiting and hoping. And then consequently, you put your life on hold. And I think this applies too. You know, we talked about the milestones of adulthood. And maybe someone has checked those boxes, but they're still not pursuing that falls into the same category. You don't put your life on hold waiting that maybe hopefully one day he'll pursue. We, we've talked about this in episodes past. You live your life. You have a race to run. You have a life to live. You have a call on your life that the Lord has placed there to live it for him. Don't put that on hold for some guy who maybe hopefully one day will be what he's kind of sort of supposed to be. Yeah. Uh-uh. You don't want to get, you know, 10, 15, 20 years down the road and be like, wow, I wasted so much time waiting for this guy and it never amounted to anything. And I missed out on X, Y, and Z. And again, I know I said this before, but I'm trying to drive this point home here. If his actions are not matching his words, if he's saying, oh, I'm, you know, I'm really want to get better at this, or I really, you know, hope to do this one day. Don't justify staying with him or waiting on him to change just because he's saying things. You know, talk is cheap, if I'm being real blunt here. Yeah. And so if you see, like Bethany said, patterns of behavior that are reflecting his words, and he's saying, oh, actually, yeah, I'm working, you know, on this certification so that I can, you know, move forward with this career. And so I'm taking these classes. Or I'm really saving up because I want to buy a house. So I've kind of, you know, changed my budget around or whatever. Whatever that looks like and you're seeing action accompany the words, that's great. If you're not, that's not worth sitting around hoping and waiting for him to do so. No. And it's a lot easier said than done. I get it. Because there's a guy there who is seeming to say the right things or he's seeming to show interest, and that's hard to turn down when you really want to be with someone. But think of it this way. What you're really dealing with here is two different relationships at war with each other. You have your relationship with the Lord on one hand, 
and you have your relationship or potential relationship with this guy on the other. Now, as a Christian, your relationship with the Lord should take priority. And within that, there are certain things that you are called and required to do. You live your life honoring the Lord. You live your life pursuing him wholeheartedly and that all of your words and actions should honor him. And you're growing more and more like him day by day. And you should continue to pursue that 100%. And part of that is knowing that there are requirements for who you then partner your life with. And this guy over here or the potential of this guy, does he match up with that? And if he doesn't, if he's more in this camp that we've talked about today, that is it not growing up, he doesn't match up with what the Lord requires of you. And there's, I say there's a tension there, but tension is such a weak word for what that really is, because this guy is here in the flesh telling you what you want to hear in the moment. And that feels good. So to then turn that away because you're pursuing the Lord, that is hard. It is not easy. And I get that. I understand it. I've been there, but the the satisfaction, the peace, the contentment that comes with staying true to the Lord will never disappoint mm-hmm. in the long run. It may sting for a moment in the short run, but in the long run, it won't let you down. No. And I hope y'all hear the the empathy that Bethany is saying and that we're both saying. Because everything we talk about on this podcast, at least one of us, if not both of us, has gone through. Mm-hmm. And you know, so we talk about marriage, we bring in married people. Like we brought in Melanie when we were talking about, <laughs> you know, different stuff like that. So we know what this is like and we know how hard it is. So we're not, you know, sitting up here on our thrones of great knowledge and saying we figured all this out. Now we're going to tell you all what to do. No, we're still having to remind ourselves of this also. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I just went through this earlier yeah. this year. So it's not like I'm far removed unfortunately from going through this so we get it and we want y'all to hear that as much as we're trying to encourage y'all and point you in the right direction we also can empathize with you because we've been there yeah we're sitting here saying we know that this is what we should do Mm. and we also are saying we are in the thick of the struggle of always choosing that thing And we don't, we know what it is. We know what we should do. We know what we should tell you to do, but we are in that tension. Like I was saying, just as much as you are. Absolutely. I use this analogy. I think it was on a couch cast live. If y'all have heard this before, just bear with me because I think it's worth repeating. But Michael Todd was, I was listening to one of his sermons and he was talking about dating and he was comparing it to a race. Like, okay, as a woman, you're, you know, you're running after God and you're, you know, pushing and you're being challenged. You're growing and, you know, you're up here just booking it. And then you look around and you're like, there are no men around me. <laughs> you're like, what in the world am I supposed to do? So then you start to slow down and kind of look back and be like, oh, all the guys are back here. Okay. So you kind of like go back to a jog or like a power walk. I don't know. And you line up with a guy then, and then you end up kind of grabbing him and trying to pull him back to your pace. And that's not going to work. It's going to slow you down. It's going to um, stunt your growth and your maturity and your faith and in your life in general. And that's not what you were designed to your, your number one goal. Like Bethany said, is to pursue your relationship with the Lord to live your life in a way that honors him. And when you're running after that, and then a guy comes up beside you, who's doing the same thing, that's somebody you want to 
partner up with. And it's so easy to hear that. And I even like I'm sitting there in my room by myself watching this on my computer. I'm like, yes, you tell you preach and you just go for it. And it's so easy to say that when you hear it, because you're like, yeah, like, that's what I want. And that, but then you get in that situation and you do find yourself where you're kind of running by yourself and you come across a guy who's not at that same pace and you still go out with him. And you still think, oh, I can fix him or he'll, you know, eventually catch up. He'll learn to run as fast as me and he'll we'll eventually get on the same page and the same pace. That's not guaranteed. And it's not worth you slowing down your pursuit of the Lord and the calling he's placed on your life just so you can have a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. So just, again, it's difficult. I'm not saying, oh, check this off. It's going to be the easiest lesson you (laughs) learn all year. No, it's a really, really tough one. But you will be coming from my friends who have actually found this, you will be so glad you waited for whoever he is that what is running the same pace, who's chasing after the same things, who's pursuing the same growth and maturity you are, as opposed to settling for someone that you're constantly having to pull behind you, trying to get them up to speed. Exactly. You don't want to have to be dragging him along behind you. And so I want to read to kind of close this out today. A few verses from Hebrews. This is Hebrews 5, 12 to 14. And it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That is what we all should be. We all should be skilled in the word of righteousness. And we all should have powers of discernment that are trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You should be striving after that 100% in your own life. You should be honing those skills and practicing that discernment in every area of your life. You do that looking forward, moving forward, and you pull up the average of the guys who are behind you. You pull up the average of those guys and say, look, this is what it takes to pursue a woman of God. Make them do that. Don't stunt your growth in knowing the word. Don't stunt your growth in your discernment. Don't stunt your growth in pursuing the Lord to make it easier for a guy who is not doing what he should. Pull up their average. Be what you should be so that you honor the Lord and challenge them to do the same. Lead by example here. Hmm. Not because you're wanting to get a guy out of it in the end, but because it's what's right. Be what you should be. Let God work out the rest. Mm, That's good. And we will end with that, y'all. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. This was a fun conversation. I'm glad we got to... It was a little different than a route we normally go, but... It was was needed. Yeah, and I learned a lot. I did too. Even just researching (laughs) this. So we hope you guys learned a lot as well. As always, if you did, or if you've liked any episode we've ever put out, tell a friend about us because we would love to be able to connect with them as well and tell them to go follow us on social media once you do the same if you're not already. So we will be back on Friday with another Couch Cast. But until then, I'm Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle. Mm